Well, good morning, and Happy New Year to everyone, and uh, it's, uh, it's great to be back. Uh, I know my family were away uh, after Christmas uh, for the, uh, just get some rest from the Christmas rush, and Pastor Ed and Denny, they are now away, and they will be back uh, uh, mid-January. So good to be here amongst you guys again, and uh, just have a few announcements um, I know you kind of, you know, January is always the January blahs of thinking, ah, you know, the highlights of Christmas. And, but there's a lot that's happening here in January, and we're entering into Epiphany, and that's a, a wonderful time for renewal of faith, a wonderful time, uh, you know, to think about your New Year's resolution, thinking, yeah, I want to I be in church and every Sunday and, and participate more uh, in my faith, and that's always a good thing. Uh, the flowers on the altar today in remembrance of uh, Ava Lazarus, um, uh, remembering her baptism and uh, January the 3rd, 2010. So that's, that's wonderful to re- re- remind of a, of a baptism. Uh, you know, I guess it's interesting. My father-in-law gives me a call and says, uh, happy baptismal birthday. And I thought, What? What are you talking about? Somehow he found out what my baptism birthday was because I, I totally forgot about it. And I got a card. And so it's always nice to remind people of their baptism. So that's wonderful. Um, also, we have um, our T4s are in your church mailbox. And thank you to Ted Shep and uh, Vivian for uh, Jordison uh, helping put that together. Uh, also, offering envelopes, if you haven't got yours, they're in your mailboxes, and you can start using them for the new year. Uh, ladies Bible Study will be uh, here uh, starting this Wednesday. You can look forward to that. We, um, during the Ladies Bible Study uh, on Wednesday, we have a, a walking group for men, and they're going to help take down the decorations from the tree and take apart the Christmas tree. Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, it's going down. Uh, And then the ladies are going to be packing the ornaments away on Wednesday after the Bible study. And then on Saturday, we have the men's breakfast. And the men, uh, after a good hearty breakfast, we're going to put the rest of the Christmas trees away uh, and hence uh, do a little bit of a cleanup after the, uh, the men's breakfast. So hopefully you can join us for that. And uh, I think that's all the announcements that I have. Is there any other announcements? Okay, uh, at this time then, we will um, continue with our service with confession and forgiveness. Please rise. We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are opened, all desires known, and where no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and really magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us take a moment to reflect our relationships with one another and with our Lord. Most merciful God, we confess that we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, but what we have done 
and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God in his mercy has given his Son to die for us and for his sake forgives all of our sins. As a called ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority only, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us continue with our opening hymn. of the shepherds watching there and the news that came to them grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the queen of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray the prayer of the day together. Let us continue. Almighty God, you have filled us with new lights of the word who became flesh and lived among us. Let the light of our faith shine in all we do through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit one God, now and forever. Amen. This time you may be seated, and uh, I think we have a few kids here today, so come on up. Confirmands can come up too, and uh, 
Sure. Come on up. I know uh, Sunday school starts next week, but we, um, we're... Sunday school's next week, right? Okay, I'm glad that I'm on that. Well, good morning. Did you have a good Christmas? Yeah, you did. You know, um, one of the gospel lessons today is about Jesus teaching in the temple. And, um, you know, have you ever had a time when your parents were looking for you and they didn't know where you were? And did they ever get upset? Yeah, I bet they did. I bet they did. And, uh, you know, Mary and Joseph, Jesus' parents, they couldn't find Jesus. And they looked for him for three days. And finally, you know where they found him? In God's house. And they, Mary said to Jesus, Jesus, we were worried anxiously about you. And Jesus said, you know what? I had to be in my father's house. And that's a statement that's important because Jesus is saying that kids, young people, need to be in church. And that's why we have young people come up here and we put you front and center because you are very important to us. And Jesus really states, hey, I need to be in church. And he was a young person. He was, you know, he's been through your age. And he was 12 years old when he told that to his parents. So, you know... It's a message for us today that we must understand that Jesus tells us that you young people are important. So let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just pray for our young people and uh, we pray for our Sunday school and for our youth group and that, Lord, we continue to uplift them. Sometimes we have to put our, our own agendas aside and to think of what young people need. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Okay, back to your seats. This time we will continue with the readings. The first lesson is from the third chapter of the book of First Kings. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, 
nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honour, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke, and he realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all his court. Here ends the reading. The psalm today is Psalm 119, verses 97 to 104. Please read responsibly from the screen. Oh, how I love your law. Your commandment has made me wiser than my enemies. I have more understanding than all my teachers. I am wiser than the elders. I restrain my feet from every evil way. I do not shrink from your judgments. How sweet are your words to my taste. Through your commandments, I gain understanding. The second lesson is from the first chapter of the book of Ephesians. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. Here ends the reading. Thank you, Leona. Please rise for the gospel. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 2. And the child grew and became strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. And every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, he went up to the festival according to the custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it, thinking that he was in their company. 
They traveled on for a day, and then they began to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard them were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? His father and I, your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Don't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. And then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and the favor with God and man. Here ends the gospel reading. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, open our hearts to this passage today. And Lord, help us to have a heart for, for young people to know that they need to be in church. Help us in ways to uh, be an instrument of your grace and to lead people here who need to hear of your truth and word. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. This passage is um, one that um, is always interesting for parents um, who ever lost a child at a supermarket or at a mall somewhere. Um, I can count a few times where I've lost my kids at Walmart when they were younger. And uh, the amazing thing, I've always found them in the toy section, so that was always a good thing. Um, but you know, when you lose a, a young person, uh, uh, and, you know, even for, if it's for five minutes or even ten minutes, it, you, you know that panic feeling in your heart. You think, oh, I'm such a bad parent. What have I done? You know, um, you think of the worst of the fears that could possibly happen. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if they're three years old or 12 years old um, or if they're, they're 50 years old. Next year I'm going to be 50. And, you know, my mother still worries about where I am, right? It's just a natural occurrence as, as parenthood. It's in our DNA. It's a gift from God where we think, you know, I'm constantly always concerned about where my son or daughter or even grandchildren are. And so, you know, this passage really speaks to us, you know, who have to care for children. Really speaks to us. And, you know, you look at this passage and think, well, how did we get here in the first place? How did it happen that Mary and Joseph, who were given this great charge from God to take care of him and his youth as Emmanuel, God who is with us, have this great mandate how they could lose the Christ child? Because I can imagine Mary and Joseph thinking, God has entrusted us with this child and we lost him. I mean, that would be an awful feeling, wouldn't it? It is the Passover. If you are new to the church, Passover was a celebration of, of what God had done for Israel to release them from bondage from Egypt. Um, it was a, a meal of a celebration uh, that began uh, with Moses and his people um, so that they could avoid uh, the plague of death but also represent of uh, their time and bondage in 
in Egypt and of their release. So it was a great way of remembrance and also a time of, of forgiveness and redemption for them. And so every year, if you lived within a 15-kilometer radius or 15-mile radius of Jerusalem, you were expected to go to the Passover celebration. And uh, if you lived beyond that 15-mile radius, you were expected to at least go at least once in your life. And so uh, Nazareth would be in that range, and so Mary and Joseph, uh, they would go to the Passover every year. And for Jesus, who is 12, uh, in uh, that understanding, in the Hebrew understanding, when you're 12 years old, you become a man. You will be participating in that Passover. And usually the men and women, when they would take that pilgrimage to the Jerusalem to Passover, they would travel separately. Usually the women would go first, uh, and uh, they probably had a lot more to carry. The men stayed behind, and they did some chores at home, and then they eventually caught up together, and they celebrated the Passover in Jerusalem. I imagine it was the same way when they left Jerusalem. And so when Mary and Joseph were traveling, they were traveling probably separately. One thought that Jesus was in the company of the other. So you could see the confusion and the mix-up thinking, wow, you know, now we've lost Jesus. What do we do with that? And uh, so, you know, what does Mary do? And Joseph, after uh, they search through their friends and relatives, they go back to Jerusalem and for three days, I mean, imagine the crowds were thick as soup. For three days, they're looking for this young boy, this 12-year-old, and they can't find him. And... Where do they find him? Well, one of the best ways to find Jesus, or Jesus finds you, is in church. They find him at the temple, the courts. And Jesus is, is listening uh, to the scribes. He's also asking these very intricate, interesting questions. And, uh, um, you know, it's just bizarre. Why didn't they go to the temple first, Right? They weren't thinking of that. For three days, they're searching, and they find Jesus eventually at the temple. And Mary is mad, right? And she tells Jesus, you know, we've been looking for you, and we've had this anxiety, this anxiousness, you know. But she was also amazed, amazed of what was coming out of his mouth, his questions, his teachings, and we are told that when she heard these things, she actually treasured them in her heart. And we haven't, you know, we've heard that before. You know, when, when the shepherds were out in the fields and the angels came to them on that first Christmas Eve. And then they came to Mary and Joseph and they saw the Christ child. And the shepherds told Mary what had happened. And she also states in the scripture that she treasured those things in her heart. Right? And even though at times, you know, she was upset, she knew that something was very special about this child indeed. Even Simeon, when he held Jesus, he says, he, this child will be the reason for the rise and fall of this nation. Something big was, to be, was happening here, right? And it wasn't something that was, um, you know, you know, God wasn't looking at this whole situation thinking, ah, oh, you know, something's going to happen. I'm going to figure it out tomorrow. You know, in Ephesians, in the text that Leona read today, 
Paul talks about that, you know, God even knew us before the foundations of the world that was created. God had already planned all this before the foundations of the earth was created. In a sense, every step, you know, from the beginning, the Alpha and the Omega, to the beginning of the end of all time and creation, God has got it all planned out. We don't have a God thinking, hmm, oh, there's another crisis today. Crisis averted. I'm going to be doing this and that. No, God has it all planned out. And as us, as, 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 as much as we think we're so brilliant and so amazed, we, we end up in this panic situation thinking, you know what, uh, I don't have a plan. And you think maybe God doesn't have a plan, but God does have a plan. And he has a plan for all of us. He really does. Right? And we should seek his plan by reading and studying the scriptures. Right? shouldn't walk blindly thinking, oh, God's got a plan. Right? God's got it all in the scripture. And that's so important. And so, you know, Mary, she realizes, of course, and of course Joseph too, that something special about this child. You know, there's interesting uh, uh, art depicting of the foreshadowing of Jesus. And uh, since we're now getting out of the Christmas season and we're moving into Epiphany, um, we're starting to see a foreshadowing about what it really means um, to follow Jesus, not just at Christmas, but through the year. And, you know, there's one, um, there's two pictures that are called um, the um, shadow um, called the Shadow of the Cross. Uh, one of them is a renowned artist, Holman Hunt. Um, I think he did the one about knocking on the door. And, uh, but he did one, a depiction of Jesus. It's not one of my favorite pictures, where he's in Joseph's carpenter shop. Mary's there too, and he stretches out his arms, and the sun is shining through, and you see the image of the cross behind him. The other one uh, is one that Jesus is younger and he's running towards his mother and he opens up his arms and you can see the shadow of the cross behind him. I think I like that one a little better. But the reality is, you know, God had this all planned out, right? God had this all planned out. And that shadow of the cross is also saving us. And sometimes we, we look at the shadows that is upon us and we think, God, are you listening? Do you care? And God knows about those shadows upon us. Some of it's dark, some of it's scary, but God says, you know what? Trust in me. I still have a plan for you and it was planned out even before the foundations of the world that began. And so we come to this point where we understand um, what it's like to lose something, but we also understand what it's like when we have been found. And I'm sure with Mary and Joseph, when they found Jesus, they were relieved. They're thinking, oh, all that worry, all that concern. But Jesus was here amongst us all the time. All we had to do was to go to church, go to the temple, going to get to that in a second. You know, we often, um, we are so driven by our anxieties, aren't we? You know, as parents, 
We're so driven by anxieties of losing something. And it's the struggles that we, we deal with day in, day out. Even, even people of faith, even pastors, even average people or whatever. It's, just, it's part of life. We always are in fear of losing something, don't we? Right? There's an um, interesting uh, thing um, in psychology that they use, and it's a table and uh, talks about the anxiety table, the worries that you have. And it breaks down the worries of people's lives, right? And um, it's interesting. It says that 40% of the things that we worry about never come true. 30% of the things that we worry about we don't have any control over, so don't worry about it anyways. Uh, 12%, it was interesting in the statistic, 12% are worries about what people think of us. And they're saying, with that 12% of the people who think about us, there's nothing you can do about that because either people are going to like you or they're not going to like you, right? Just have to get over it, right? Not everyone is going to love us. It's the way it is, right? Sometimes people's personalities do not match other people's personalities. It's the way it is. Interesting, 10% is worries about people's health. I know when that you get older, that increases. And the 8% on this table is worries that actually do come true. But those are the ones that we can at least work on to maybe prevent it. Isn't that interesting? 8% of your worries are really something you can control. The rest of it, you're just going to have to give it to God. That's why I love that quote from Luther, which I mentioned, you know, just before Christmas, where we let God do the worrying. And I know that's so hard. I know that, right? Because we want to have control. We, we want to have, you know, we sometimes just want to give God the little bits and think, oh, I'll leave that to you, God. But the rest, I want control. I want it all in a, encompassed in a way that I can control it. And believe me, we can't control it all. We just have to give it to God. You know, and God will give us the wisdom in those moments when we have to make those right decisions and to step out in faith, right? And you know, for Mary and Joseph, of all the concerns and worrying they had those days, I'm sure they got some gray hairs over it. And so, you know, we come to the point of where they find Jesus at the temple. And uh, lo and behold, that's where they should have looked in the first place. And uh, what does, is, what is, uh, you know, Jesus say to them? Right? What, what's the big deal? I mean, he's a teenager, right? I mean, I don't think he was snarky about this, right? But, you know, sometimes teenagers can get snarky. Because uh, I was one myself, I know that. Is, and sometimes I still act like a teenager. But the thing is, he says, what do you mean? I'm here in my father's house. I need to be here, right? This is a real interesting theological statement, right? I need to be here, right? Young people need to be here, right? And the question we have is, why don't we have more young people in the church? I can tell you why, but you probably don't want to hear it, Right? Because often we find in congregations we want to appeal to what we want and we don't think about what others need, right? 
We appeal to what we want, but we don't appeal to what others need. So that is, that is a challenge for every church, right? It's a challenge for Mary and Joseph, right? Jesus wanted to be in God's temple, right? Here's an opportunity where a young person listens, but also is willing to ask questions and to teach. And maybe that's an image that we need to accept more in the church itself, right? You know, often, um, you know, we, we, you know, people, you know, Mary and Joseph were looking for Jesus. And, you know, this is, there's a parallel to this. You know, um, I talk to people, and there are usually people um, who tell me this when they're outside of the church. And what they will say is, oh, you know, um, Pastor David, you're such a nice guy. And, uh, you know, um, but, you know, we don't go to church. And the reason why we don't go to church is the fact is, is we just feel God's not in our life. We feel God has abandoned us. We feel that, you know, um, we've been going through these troubles and we've been asking the ultimate question, where is God in our lives? Because we feel completely empty, dry, and parched, and there's nothing in us. And we used to be very faithful and we used to go to church and we used to be very involved and we felt God present in our lives, but we just don't feel it anymore. How many times have you heard that conversation? Maybe we have even been through those valleys and we've gone through it ourselves, right? I know I have when I was a teenager, right? I got through it. I'm sure you got stories too. But the reality is, what I like to say to them is, you know, you can refer to this passage. Mary and Joseph looked for Jesus for three days. And lo and behold, where did they find him? In church. Right? I mean, yes, we can feel the presence of God in our community. Right? We can feel the presence of God when two or three faithful are gathered. But I know and you know why we are here this Sunday is we feel the presence of Christ here in the Word and in the sacraments. Right? And prayer. Support for one another. Right? So when someone says to you, I don't feel nothing with God in my life, I'm going to say, Mary and Joseph, where do they find Jesus? In the temple. Got to get back to church, right? I know people have hang-ups about things that have happened in the past or hurts that have happened, right? Well, you know what? A lot of you got together with family members this Christmas, maybe across the table. You've, maybe there's certain bitterness and certain things that have done in the past, but you get together as a family together and you have a meal together and you get over it and you pray together. And that's like a church. Church is like a family, doesn't always run smoothly. People get hurt. But, that, but God doesn't want to hear complaining, right? Oh, I stopped going because of the fact that I didn't like somebody or someone said something mean to me. Do you think God's going to accept that? God says, where is forgiveness? I, you know, I placed my, my body, my everything on that cross for you to show you forgiveness. And you can't forgive that one person? 
What's the explanation to that? Right? Maybe this new year is an example of saying, I got to start showing grace as Jesus showed grace to me. And that's so important. So important. But the focus on this passage is Jesus as a young man, 12-year-old boy being in church. You know, as we enter into Epiphany, we also know that there are wise men in the story who seek the Christ child. And they don't see Jesus on Christmas Eve. It takes them 12 days afterwards, and they finally get to see the Christ child. And that's why you have this whole realm of the 12 days of Christmas, right? Where songs are sung about it, poems are read about it. It's all related to the wise men bearing their gifts. And the wisdom within us that God grants us is that we are continue to know that Jesus can show us the way to find what we need in our relationship with him. You know, um, in closing, um, we, um, there was a, you know, I think um, Newsweek had an article years ago and talked about the changes from 1965 until now in our modern day. And, um, you know, the changes that are happening, if you look at, statistics and I'm not even using Newsweek here but you know the good thing is crime has gone down but heinous crimes have gone up right 1965 if someone says to you that you're worried about school shootings you would think are you absolutely crazy there would be no one who would go out into a school and shoot people up you know I mean my kids tell me about drills that they have in their own schools right Uh, you know in 1965, if you would share about, you know, the amount of teenage suicide and depression and how much young people are into drugs, you would never believe it, but you would believe it today. There's such a, from 1965 to now, you see the shift. 1965 is also a time when the beginning of the 70s where church starts to deteriorate in the West, Right? and a general overview, right? I remember in the early 70s, the church was full, right? Now, if I go back to my home church today, it's a shell. I'm sure it is. Maybe things have changed. But the reality is, you see the shift of away from church, away from the values that we are supposed to be instilled by, and we fill our kids with stuff that doesn't fill them. Whether it be junk food or electronic games or just to pacify them, but it's not exactly all what they need. And they need the center of faith, right? So maybe the challenge for us this year is the challenge of saying, what is it that I need to change in order for us to see young people in church? What is it that I can do as a Christian to know that I can be allotted the same opportunity so that someone else can have that opportunity too? 
this is a, a passage that when I first read it again, I was like, oh yeah, the boy in the temple, yeah, 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 I preached this so many times, but I'm really glad I got a chance to preach on it again today because there's just so much in it for us to hold on to. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just uh, thank you for the opportunity to be in your place, and uh, we just feel the presence of you here. We especially pray for people who feel empty, who feel abandoned, and Lord, let them know that you have not forgotten them. Help us to be that, that bearer of good news to them as we enter into the new year. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus, amen. Please rise and let us confess in what we believe in. Let us begin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, and descended into hell. The third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and the seat right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And we need to pray. <laughs> sure. <clears throat> Actually, you may be seated for the prayers. Someone had uh, offered a, a request this uh, morning of, um, and this came out of the blue. <laughs> um, they said, Pastor, um, we need to pray for my nephew who's in Iraq. And uh, I thought, oh, you know, you, you often hear the news and you think, oh, well, that's just millions of miles away. I don't really need to worry about that. And then I, you know, you kind of, someone comes up to you and says, I have a, a, a family member or, who's in a place that is right now a place that probably no one wants to be. It's like a powder keg there. And so we definitely uh, need to pray for, for that family and that person. So thank you for, if you ever have a prayer request, just write it out to me if, before service or, or even on the Friday, and uh, we can always fit them in. <sighs> Gracious Heavenly Father, um, we lift up um, all of those service people uh, who are abroad, who are not even home for this time of year to be with family. And we especially lift up um, those uh, who are in the theater of peacekeeping, um, who are trying to keep the peace, and yet there are things that are challenging in this world where it's sometimes so difficult. And so we especially lift up um, uh, Frank and Lois Buckman's nephew, David, who's in Iraq, and for all uh, families who are affected by that, just put a hedge of protection around them, and Lord, we hope that they can come home soon.
Lord, we, um, we um, pray for um, our world that is so broken and amongst all the squabbles and disappointments, Lord, we need to realize that our hope really lies in you. And so, Lord, we, we ask that you open the eyes to the light and truth of your ways so we can find the path of forgiveness, that we can find that path of grace. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we, um, we pray for... Um, uh, our students, our young people who are heading back to school tomorrow, we pray for our teachers. We pray for our, our school systems, Lord, that uh, they continue to uh, be guided, uh, uh, not so much particular of the wisdom of man, but to go beyond that to the wisdom of God. And uh, Lord, we just uh, pray for that that wisdom that will continue to be preached and taught in our households. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, um, we also pray for um, our people who are in hospital or recovering at home. We especially pray this time for Barbara. And Lord, we also um, pray for others who are recovering are receiving treatments. And uh, Lord, um, there's always anxiety and fear. But Lord, help us to, to trust in you. Help us to cast our worries upon you and to hold that when we can't. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we also just pray for those who've lost loved ones just recently. We especially pray... Um, for the uh, Wadsworth family. We pray also for uh, the, the Ryan family. We pray for the Oran family, the Skuchak and Ritzby family, uh, the Thalaker family, Lord. Lord, just uh, um, especially pray for the Schuler and, and uh, Peterson family and Hershey family. Lord, just strengthen them in the midst of things that they cannot understand and know, Lord, um, that we must hold on to your promises. To hold on. To know that in the midst of all fear and anxiety and loss, that you are still God. And if you have formed the foundations of this world, you will certainly form it in the next. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we offer our prayers to you and our humble ways to know that, God, we must continue to put our trust and prayers in you, Almighty. Lord Jesus, amen. I am not sharing the peace today because there's people with colds and things happening out there. Um, and uh, I usually do that for January, so we're just going to take a break for it for January and February. Uh, and... Um, and so we'll just, um, what you can do is uh, just go stand up and just tap the person on the shoulder and say, the peace of the Lord be with you. Good that you're here today. Let's just do that, okay? <clears throat> just a tap on the shoulder, okay? There you go. God's peace be with you.
shoulder and you probably think, when you get tapped on the shoulder, you think somebody wants something from you, but all they wanted was the peace. So rest assured, rest assured. This time we will continue with our offering. Let us pray. Merciful Father, we offer with joy and thanksgiving what you have first given us, 
ourselves, our time, and our possessions, signs of your gracious love. Receive them for the sake of him who offered himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should all times and all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord. For on this day overcame death in the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened us to the way of everlasting life. So with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join the unending hymn. in which he was betrayed our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks and he broke and he gave it to his disciples saying take and eat this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me <clears throat> after supper he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to all to drink saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin do this in remembrance of me and let us pray that prayer that our Lord Jesus has taught us our Father who art in heaven Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Given us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This time you may be seated and come forth. All is prepared.
May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. <coughs> and let us continue with the post-communion canticle. <coughs> and sing his praise and tell everyone that he's done, he has done. Let all who seek the Lord rejoice and proudly bear his name. He recalls his promises and leads his people forth in joy with shouts of Thanksgiving, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> we got to practice that one, I think. And <laughs> we should know it. Anyways, uh, it's so wonderful you can be here uh, today. Uh, what a blessing it is. And especially for folks who are just checking us out for the first time, warm welcome to you. Glad that you're come to uh, be here with us at Grace today. Um, please, after the service, uh, join us for uh, our hour of our, our fellowship. Or we have a coffee hour, some snacks and treats, and we get to know you a little better. Uh, so, um, so may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So uh, what I'm going to do is, uh, if you want to shake my hand, go ahead. Uh, but when you're coming through, I'm just going to tap you on the shoulder. If I see your hand extended and you want a handshake, I will shake your hand. But I'm going to be tapping you on the shoulder and just giving you a blessing for the new year. Okay? Um, so we will sing our final hymn. We all know this one, We Three Kings.
Owen, peace, and serve the Lord.